0: Everything out there in the world, you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items, and right now you can get thirty-five percent off site-wide by using the code DCNews thirty-five. That's DC N E W S three five DCNews. 35, use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com.
1: Hey there, all you DC Comics News fans, whether you be frenzied or friendly, guess what? You are here, and you are welcome to DC Comics News Spinner Rack. How do I know? Well, I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and this is episode number 116. I love that great, fun, sort of, let's go out and do some good intro music we have coming your way every time that. Well, the amazing Mr. Josh Rainer brings it to you, brings it to us, shows us just what it's like to, well, be part of something as big as, say, DC Comics. Sharing in what they do each and every week here on the Spinner Rack is my favorite. As I said, it's here that we get the chance to all hang out. This is episode number 116. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. I've got my buddy Bruno, little four-legged furry guy here hanging out at my feet. You might hear some snarbles and snores or maybe he'll just be quiet. You never really know with the little one. You never know with either of them. They're sweeties. And yet at the same time, they really don't care that I'm recording or talking to you. They care about everything else. I don't even know if they like comics. Don't worry about it. They're dogs, they're great. It's not important. What I do know is we care about comics. We know that comics, they do that thing we're always looking for, which is why I'm so happy to share my picks. I'm going to be totally honest with you. The the books from this week, July 27th, it's simply not fair. I mean, I don't know what is, but this, this is not fair. The danger here is the fact that there were 18 books to choose from. That means I had, like, just by picking five randomly, At any different time, I had at least three chances of getting it wrong. And then if you add in all that actuarial stuff, odds and possibilities and percentages, there's so many ways I could have gotten wrong. I could have been the flash trying to type together variating lists and variations of lists in which to choose from. And I would still fail significantly. I'm okay with that there are worse things to be at than someone who doesn't understand averages and percentages and you know all those variables and possibilities i'm fine with that i can still bring you all my favorite picks from dc comics and share with you the wonderful stories that live inside so without any further ado which is a fun thing to always say before you start doing something shall we get to it that's a rhetorical question of course we shall now first on my list is another return to that wonderful classic that is, Milestone. It's Icon and Rocket. It's season one, it's issue number one, it's got four amazing covers, it's got the original, it's got the three variants. It is quite lovely, as is the introductory story, the one that reminds us what the origin of Icon was like and some of its roots from that first appearance back in the 90s when Milestone stormed onto the scene to that nuanced version that now features an awareness to so many other things that we are aware of and that also can change the dynamic behind the story of the characters we knew and how they have a change just like the entire Omniverse has been so recently adjusted and affected. Now, it's Reginald Hudlin that brings this amazing story to life, and it's the pencils by Doug Braithwaite that make it just sing. Gorgeous inks by Scott Hanna on pages 1 through 9, Andrew Curry on pages 10 through 22, with colors by Brad Anderson and letters by Ann World Design. So, what's new about this version of the story? Well, for starters, First time around, Icon kind of had that feeling of like Superman, you know, a refugee uh, person escaping and winding up somewhere. In this version, there are passengers on a ship, but there is also the issue of terrorism, a stowaway, a danger, a threat, a weapon that um, Icon, in his state at the entrance to this story is not the figure we are used to seeing but he is actually the alien in his alien form as he takes on this terror and the resulting conflict leaves a situation in which there is no other choice there is no other way if there's any chance at all for anything to survive it is him and that is why he is the lone person who makes it free from that ship escapes lands on earth, and when he is discovered in Georgia in 1843, the, per- the first people who find him are slaves who are actually, before he arrives, talking about how it is they can escape the life that they are trapped in and imprisoned in, and how when they find his escape pod, they unknowingly through their DNA transference, give him a pattern on which the ship can then map itself, his genetic structure, and cause him to look like an infant that is identical in appearance to that of those who discovered him. And then our story fast forwards to roughly one month prior, when we get the chance to meet Raquel or Rocket as she will soon to be known, who is really annoyed. She's sort of unimpressed by the guys she would like, who are too shy to ask her out. And then she finds herself hanging out with guys who uh, really don't know what they're doing or have a lot of sense. But she's bored, she wants some attention, and she's found that the fact that she is small makes it easy for her to get into places that they can't. And that's why they are relying on her ability to want to impress them that, uh, well, what can I say? She's willing to do what she wants for the moment because it's more interesting than the boredom she's experiencing and the loneliness she wishes to get rid of. But when she helps these friends, and I use that term very loosely, to gain access to a place that is supposed to be filled with treasures there is the discovery that it is not abandoned and that its owner and current resident does not like intruders and will not be deterred by something as, well, flimsy as a firearm. The experience is a powerful one for Raquel and she finds herself soon back at the house that she had broken into asking the person inside how it is that they can be who they are as powerful as they are and not do more how it is that they haven't considered what it means to be able to change the world that surrounds them and become something great different wonderful powerful and change the world in ways that no one could ever expect let alone be prepared for what kind of change does this look like well we're gonna have to stick around and see what. Season 1, issue number 2, brings our way. But at the moment, I love this wonderful return to another great milestone title, to its updating, to incorporate a lot of the things that are important to us now, and to the ways that it does so through gorgeous writing, beautiful art, gorgeous colors, and a wonderful collaboration that really makes this title sing. Great way to kick off this week's Top 5 Picks. Now i'm curious to hear your eventual thoughts on raquel irvin and augustus freeman but until then let's cruise things along to my second choice and well it's yet another milestone title it is static season one issue number two and when things were coming to a very dangerous and stunning conclusion in issue number one or at least a to be continued it, it wasn't looking good for Virgil Hawkins. In this issue, Family Meeting, Vida picks up the story and the challenge facing Static, as well as the gorgeous layouts by Crisscross, Cross, the finishes in color by Nicholas Draper Ivory, and the really amazing letters by Ann Will Design. We return to that harrowing moment and we see the science mind of Virgil used along with the powers he has recently gained and then his family must deal with the consequences of the fact that he saves their house from being burned to a crisp there's mostly exterior damage and the inside appears to be okay and yet there's also the challenge of just what it means for these new powers he's displayed and what it is he is capable of and what it is they should do about it among the things that are discussed are the desire for virgil's father to find testing and other information that can help them know what's going on something that's clearly different from what he saw when he looked over initial tests of virgil and virgil's mother who is conflicted because she knows how the medical community has treated the black community in the past the uh, injustices that have been offered up and her fear that her son will become a lab animal one to be dissected poked in imprisoned, and to lose all of his rights. Virgil has his own way of handling things. He gets to school early, he gets into a bit of a, well, a conflict with a young person who is trying to become a bit of a, a emerging reporter, someone who is looking to tell the story about Virgil, others, and perhaps correct the narrative and the rumors that have been going around, but do so by being the only source for that correction. Therefore, perhaps, using Virgil's story to further his own career, something Virgil just isn't having. So Virgil reaches out to Curtis Metcalf, who uh, was there and president and Inventors of Tomorrow discussion and panel, who Virgin was able to get a phone number for and... Curtis has recently been charged with all sorts of crimes that were committed by his employer, but are being blamed on him and is preparing to, as fans of hardware know, wage his own war. But in the meantime, he has a stash locker that he gives Virgil access to. But while this should be an opportunity for Virgil to collect, connect, and use a bunch of very impressive resources to give him some fighting skills and tools, well, there's an abrupt revelation and one that sets up a great cliffhanger before we come back around for whatever is going to happen next in issue number 3. This is a phenomenal story. I mean, for starters, you know, Static offered a great insight into a teenager with powers from a community that was not represented in comics and or in animation and later achieved the distinction of doing both. That made for a really fun history to draw on as well as update i think static season one continues to do all the best things i loved about milestone and that's why i'm happy to make it my second choice why it is we have a milestone one and two before we go ahead and move into our ad break fans of the show you know this is what i do before we move into our third fourth and fifth choices Those of you the first time around, this is the routine. I'm going to catch you up on all the great stuff we have here from DC Comics. Thanks to our amazing editor, Mr. Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief. And then we'll come back around and I'll share with you my third, fourth, and fifth choices for this week's Spinner Rack, episode number 116. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy. We'll be right back.
0: Everything out there in the world, you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's DCNEWS. DC News 35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, (laughs) Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello,
2: listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher.
0: First... There was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack, and now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Night, a story about the stories, a show celebrating Batman, the animated series, week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the
1: knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madbub, a Harley Quinn cast. Three,
2: two, one.
1: Harley
0: Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look,
3: go And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Cut up the bat, i nuts. I definitely do not f- bat. that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f- with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers.
0: Mmm. Educational and informative.
3: What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News.
2: I am Tony Hasty for this show.
3: And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe.
2: We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome. And sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Your discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot.
3: Yes. Yeah, and possibly, (laughs) maybe by episode five, getting to our 100th (laughs) joke. (laughs) Here's hoping.
2: (laughs) We're gonna have guests on this show, we're gonna be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. (laughs) Off the the cuff, let's go, off the cuff, off the cuff. Anything you want, anything you want.
3: Scooby Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about.
2: That's what the show is about. We're gonna that's be talking the- about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go.
3: No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't. Scooby-Doo.
2: want God damn it!
3: Look, all right. We're gonna Scooby Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you were a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo.
2: Drink recipes, content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes.
3: Yes. And a Santa, uh, an unseasonable Santa hat, except it's seasonable, whatever. Check us out.
2: (laughs) Not getting rid of the Santa hat. Available
0: exclusively on YouTube.
1: Hey there and welcome back. Those softly rumbling snorings in the background are that of my French Bulldog Bruno. Which means we have returned with the DC Comics News Spinner episode number 116. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Love that cool, jazzy sound as we move into our third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks for hanging out. For my third, I decided to go with Teen Titans Academy, issue number five in a story called No Exit, phenomenal piece of work featuring the amazing art of Steve Liber, collaborating with the colors of Dave Stewart and the letters of Rob Blay, all bringing to life the story by Tim Sheridan. You've got a gorgeous original cover by Rafa Sandoval and Alejandro Sanchez, as well as a variant cover by Philip Tant and Elmer Santos. So, you've got the Teen Titans Academy, which is plagued by that ominous figure known as Red X. By the way, if you're a Red X fan, uh, you might check out one of those, you know, variants that are available. It's a really fun take and a twist with a Red X feel to it that, if you like the character, you're probably going to enjoy a great deal. And while Red X is an important storyline in the current Titans run, What I enjoy more is this origin of the bat pack. Who were these three? How did they go from being in a Bruce Wayne orphanage to becoming members of the bat family, ending up at the academy, and also sporting some very distinctive looks? When we see them at the beginning of this story, they are young, interested, but I think overall just a bit naive, which is fine. It's often the place where most people start, even if it's not what they like to share. And it's one of those things that allows the newest entrance to the game to sort of ask the honest questions that others maybe have gotten so conditioned they forget to sometimes ask. So what is it that we learn about the uh, Bat Pack, who sometimes I'm tempted to call the Brat Pack because they're so much fun and I think it's such a neat nickname? Well, we learned that they gained their monikers and their titles after uncovering something that Batman and even Nightwing had not been able to uncover. Nightwing being a bit of the butt of their jokes. Please read the issue for more on his Too Tight Tights. And also how it is that despite being part of this solution, they, they might have gained the trust of Nightwing, but that doesn't mean that Nightwing has gained their trust and... When they are put to the question by the Red X, we get a really interesting possibility for future stories and a, I don't know if it's going to be a division, a splinter or more, but what's in store for the Teen Titans? Well, issue number six should surely bring about some really fun possibilities. I'm looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. I encourage you to do the same. That is why I went ahead and chose Titans Academy as my uh fourth book third book sorry here on the uh DC Comics News spinner rack moving on to my next choice well so for that fourth choice on this week's selection I chose to go with Superman Son of Kal-El as I mentioned 18 books this week I'm I'm bound to get one, if not all of them, wrong and none of them right. Or maybe I get a few. You think this is one that I did okay with? You let me know. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Because Superman, Son of Kal-El, is the passing of the torch. And this is a wonderful story. One that shows us what it was like for Lois and Clark uh, the day that Jonathan arrived and how it is that Truth, Justice and a Better World, a lovely title and this great Introduction to, well, a whole title focused around the son of kal John Timms provides the amazing art. Gabe Elte with the colors, Dave Sharp with the letters, John Timms with the original cover, and Inyuk Lee, Stephen Byrne, Brian, and Jen Bartel providing the variant covers. So, the truth, justice, and a better world. That is the idea when Superman and Lois welcome Jonathan into their lives. That is the idea that is carried on by Jonathan when he arrives on a situation that the military can't seem to handle. And John begins to, well, recognize that there is more going on than the military can understand. His powers allow him to have the insight needed to bring it all to a conclusion. And because of that, he has the chance to help. He has the chance to do something better, do something different, to offer a solution. But there's always the conflict in, is he doing the right thing by giving those people needed or who are the most in danger to, well, potentially more dangerous futures and possibilities? I mean... When you have the U.S. military there and you know that there's really very few others who can contain this young man or help him with his powers and that they're quick to point out that they will go against anyone who resists what they say with the extent of their powers, it seems like (laughs) Jonathan is already entering a, a world that doesn't really want to respect him, it doesn't want to show him any of the previous respects his father received, and is maybe thinking that with him they have a chance to start things off where they have some leverage and a little bit of ability to maybe push back against one of the most powerful beings in the universe. But that's not all. We also get to see Robin, who has been making a name for himself on this uh, little island. You know, uh, it's near, well, it's the land of Corto Maltese, but it's an island known as the Lazarus Island, one where he has been fighting in a tournament, one that is very, very violent. And despite all that, Superman and Damien are able to continue their conversation while superman just sort of watches maybe every once in a while slaps away a kick knocks down an attacker and i think reconnects with one of his closest if not his closest and perhaps best friend and because of that he gets the chance to get that other perspective which i think is really helpful something that uh, bruce has always been able to provide for superman for clark and that damian can offer up to jonathan And it's because of that, that we have the suggestion that there are a lot of things for uh, Jonathan to consider, such as, do you fight the symptoms or do you fight the source? And what does that mean? And is there anything he could learn from his father's example? Or is this simply going to be a choice on his own, one that he will learn from as he kind of goes about and does it? Now, what I loved about the uh, Future State storyline featuring Jonathan is that he was doing some things that were unpopular. And sometimes he even changed his mind about some decisions. But I liked that he was forging his own destiny and he was using what his father had taught him and what he had learned from others, like great friends like Damien. And then he was also using what he felt was his best understanding of all of those things and the situation at hand. He knows that there's a legacy and an expectation because of who his father is, but he won't always make the choice that people think his father would have, and he won't always make the choice that his father's going to agree with. Because in the end, if Jonathan Ken is going to be the son of Kalel, he is going to have to take the part of Kalel that he respects and admires, the part of his mother that he also admires, and he's going to have to blend that with the part of himself that he is learning to understand and that he is becoming more familiar with. I think this is a great introduction to a wonderful future for stories at DC Comics, and one of the reasons why I was so happy to include it here on this episode of The Spinner Rack. For my fifth and final choice, I decided to go with Detective Comics number 1040. I'm gonna be honest with you. I actually had this one as well as Batman Secret Files Huntress number one on here. Here's where I find it interesting. Detective Comics 1040 does a really nice job of telling a great story. Um, And it's the story of a tragedy, of a figure who maybe could have done more, could have been more, could have seen more, and didn't. What we do know is that a vengeful father, though, at the beginning of this issue, in a story that... (laughs) I don't know how you can possibly relate to it or how it is you can possibly ignore it because this story just refuses to be denied. And it's a story that shows just how dangerous someone like a father who loses a child can become. It shows us just what it means when, well, Batman and Bruce Wayne decide that the smartest thing to do is turn Bruce Wayne in, despite the fact that this guy named Worth tried to blow him up at the previous precinct where he was being uh, held for questioning. Bruce Wayne decides to go in on a Friday. We get some really interesting exchanges by a drunk who thinks he knows who Batman and Bruce Wayne are and that they are one and the same. And then there is the uh, plotting and conspiratorial, well... Plans of Worth, the Penguin, as well as a creature who has appeared recently in the Batman titles and shown himself to be not only a member of Mayor Nakano's staff, but also a very violent figure with an ability to attack people and create dangerous changes to their uh, chemistry. Now, at one point... <laughs> we have the fun suggestion that Huntress as well as someone else who were infected are staying at the hospital but it's Huntress who is not there when a nurse later comes to check in at the request of Bruce Wayne. And it's also Huntress whose story I would encourage you after reading this to then pick up Batman Secret Files, if you haven't already, Huntress number one. So you can see just where it is that Huntress goes, because I think it's a great story, but I only get to pick five. So I figured if I'm going to pick any, why not make my fifth one a teaser for the one that I also wanted to include? And if you think I'm right and the teaser is worth it, well... I think then you're going to enjoy Batman Secret Files, Huntress number one, and you have Detective Comics number 1040 to thank for, as well as the backup story. Now that first story, the original called The Weekender, features the wonderful talents of Mariko Tamaki, who man, she does amazing amazing things when she's telling stories. Then we've got the art by Dan Moore. We've got my dog Bruno, who's doing a bit of snarbling over there. We've got Jordi Belair on the colors, Aditya Car on the letters, Dan Mora on the original cover with Libra Mejo on the variant cover. We've got so much and more all packed into this issue. Oh, and did I mention there's a backup story? That's right. You're going to enjoy this one. Longtime fans of a popular leather-winged figure. This is The Quiet and Unsung Death of Kurt Langstrom, featuring the writing of Dan Waters, The Art of Max Rayner, and the colors of Arif Priano match with the letters of Rob Lay. And it starts with Batman quite honestly explaining how he never really liked Kirk Langstrom. And he wasn't a fan of him before he became Man Bat or afterwards. And he certainly wasn't pleased when a crooked criminal scientist with an addiction problem joined the Justice League Dark. But that opinion changes throughout the course of this story and we see that it's Kirk's who is given an awful responsibility, one that he takes very seriously and one that Batman is willing to help him uh, do the right thing by. And it's a wonderful example of a character starting out as one thing and becoming something else, especially in the eyes of an amazing um, hero like Batman. And through that transition, we see an awareness, a development and a growth from Batman and also a very Honorable end to the story of Kirk Langstrom, at least as it exists now. I'm sure there is more in store, and I don't think this potential suggestion of an ending is anything more than that the suggestion. I think this story is just a beginning. Looking forward to sharing all the stories and beginnings that I have to offer to you. This was my fifth book, a great 5 out of 5 pick for this week's episode of The Spinner Rack. And I have you to thank for joining me. And so here at the close of number 116, let me just say a couple of things. One, you like what you're hearing, subscribe down. Make sure you always get new episodes of The Spinner Rack and other great content. The weekly uh, podcast where we talk movie, TV, streaming, and more and so many other great original shows and new possibilities just waiting for you to discover. You can follow us on your favorite podcast platform, you can check out our emerging YouTube channel, and of course, you can always let us know what you're thinking on your favorite social media platform. Just use at DC Comics News, that's the at symbol, capital D, capital C, capital C, -C O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Let us know what you're thinking, what questions you might have, Can't wait to enjoy a great conversation with you and leave you with a final reminder as we head off into that wonderful sunset. And that is to always read more comics. Thanks for a great one. Can't wait to hang out with you next time.